0: Hi, Gary Zacharias with the Apologist Bookshelf. I'm so glad Natasha Crane has written another book. I've read just about everything she's put out. Uh, She's got a book called Keeping Your Kids on God's Side, another one called uh, Talking with Your Kids About God, and Talking with Your Kids About Jesus is a third one. They are excellent books. And now she's turned her attention to our whole culture, and she's got a book called Faithfully Different. And uh, the blurb on the back says, in an increasingly secular society, those who have a biblical worldview are now a shrinking minority. So I don't know if you've felt that way, but uh, I'm old enough. I've seen the change coming. So Natasha Crane is taking that on, and she's uh, doing things like identifying and then responding to what the worldview pressures are that are out there. Things like cancel culture and secular social justice, progressive Christianity, virtual signaling, all these things that we keep seeing almost daily, and she shows how to engage effectively with a world that really ridicules biblical truths and how to live as a bold witness for God and for Jesus Christ. So do we need this today? You bet we do. Wow. So I want to take one of her chapters here. It's uh, chapter three, Why Secularism is Compelling, Even for Christians. And so It's easy just to complain about secularism, but she takes a step back to give us the big picture about secularism. And she talks about influence, and she says people are most influenced in two situations. One, when a message directly speaks to the needs that they feel they have, and then that that message is prominent in their life. So it's got to hit them where they need it. They go, ooh, I need that. I've got to have that. I've got that itch that needs to be scratched. And then that the message is prominent in their life. And she talks about that's going on in the secular world today. And she starts by talking about what Paul said in Ephesians 2, the first three verses. He says, I'm just going to shorten it a little bit, but he says you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And he says all of us, I uh, said, so we used to gratify the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. We were by nature deserving of wrath. So what's Paul talking about there? Well, she says that we see that humans are in a state of disobedience and we deserve wrath. We, What are we doing? We're putting the self as a position of authority rather than our creator. And she gives you other verses to check on that. Romans six six. Seven five, First John one eight, Second Peter one four. So she says a major reason secularism has done so well is it just resonates and it goes right to the desires of our fallen nature. We want to be in charge. We want the authority. It's our ego, and so it gets stroked by the secularism that's around us today. Now that may seem obvious, but I really like what she says. Then she says. There are three ways and three reasons that this is happening. And she says, first of all, that feelings are our ultimate guide. This is what secularism tells us. Feelings are the ultimate guide. And I can say amen to that. I remember years back watching a movie called Rio. It was a story about birds. It was a computer animation. I thought it was a really good movie. But what does it say in there toward the end? My wife and I looked at each other. It says, follow your heart. Feelings are the ultimate guide. And she gives some quotations that she has seen on social media uh, sites. One said, follow your heart. It knows the way. And then Beyonce, I guess, had a song. I don't have to prove anything to anyone. Maybe it's not a song. Maybe it's just uh, remarks that she made. I only have to follow my heart and concentrate on what I want to say to the world. I run my world. Wow. Here's another one. Again, unattributed. Follow your heart because if you always trust your mind, you'll always act on logic. And logic doesn't always lead to happiness. Oh, (laughs) be interesting to reply to that, wouldn't it? So, what that person is saying, your heart will always lead you to happiness. Uh, I can think of a lot of times where my heart did not lead me to happiness. I bet you can too. Here's an actor, Eric Mabius. I may be pronouncing that wrong. I'm so out of it when it comes to modern culture. But apparently, he said this. You do have to follow your heart. Otherwise, you're living a false life. Again, and here's another unattributed comment. Follow your heart. It's always right. Wow. Paula Abdul supposedly said this. Break the rules. Stand apart. Ignore your head and follow your heart. Now, that rhymes. So maybe that's a song that she did. So the idea is you are, should be your self-authority. You are the only person that knows how you feel. Of course, Natasha Crane says, if I feel that I should kill someone, should I still follow my heart? Yeah, no kidding. So there's the first part of what the secular world is uh, dishing up to us, that we have to depend on our heart. Our feelings are our ultimate guide. Here's the second part. So our guide, our feelings. What's our goal? One word. She says happiness. That's the assumed goal of life. And it's pretty subjective, isn't it? She says it's based on our old feeling, friends. Our old friend feelings. Sorry, so she says. So happiness is the assumed goal of life for everybody. It's subjective, though. It's based on our old friend. She says that's feelings again. And then she says, just look at the self-help books that are out there that are targeted at women. And she just picks one. Glennon Doyle had a best-selling book, came out in 2016. It's called Untamed. And she left her husband, I guess, and the father of her three kids for a lesbian relationship. And she documents and actually expounds and glorifies about how she unlearned everything about God and Christianity and family and sex and all. Her message comes across in the book as this. Break free from whatever constraints that you've been conditioned to think that you have and embrace your inner wild side. If you do, you'll be happy and I guess it did really well, and it got all sorts of wonderful reviews. In fact, uh, Kirkus Reviews said the book was an in-depth look at a courageous woman. It says, do you notice the uh, comments here? Happiness involves courageously leaving behind any external expectations or any goals just to be true solely to yourself. That's what's so strong and so wonderful. So your happiness is of utmost importance and only you can decide what will make you happy because you're the boss. So one more time. What's the guide as we go through life, she says, for the secular world? What's the guide? Feelings. And what's the goal? Well, you got feelings going full bore, so it's whatever makes you happy. That's the goal. What's the ultimate sin? Just one thing. Judging. Judging others. And she gives an example, pretty sad here. She talked about a uh, homeless service that's doing what they call harm reduction philosophy. So what does that mean? Well, it's programs and it's practices that minimizes negatives having to do with uh, drug addiction. It says it's grounded in justice and human rights. It focuses on positive change. It uh, accepts people who use drugs as they are and commits to meeting them where they are in their lives without judgments. But, but what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, here's one example of this. In Seattle, they're passing out heroin pipes and providing taxpayer-funded booty bumping kits to addicts. That's rectal administration of drugs. So they promote these offerings with flyers that excitedly announce with three exclamation points, new, and highlight how the kits are a good choice if your veins are hard to hit. You'll have less risk of infection and abscesses. and won't leave tracks. And they call it, this is where love meets the streets. And so she says, well, here we go then. So here are these three things. One more time. What's going on? What is Why is secularism so compelling? Because it appeals to our ego. Because it appeals to our self and what we want. And, and what are the three things that she mentions? I think this is so important to think about this one more time. Feelings our ultimate guide, trust your heart. And of course, we know that has not been a success in many, many occasions. Secondly, so that's, that's our um, guide. Happiness is the goal. And what's the worst thing we can do? Judging somebody. Follow your heart, but don't stop along the way to claim that somebody else is following their hearts and that's wrong. Everybody is doing it the right way they want to do it. And then she says, well, where does God fit into these messages? She said, well, a secular view can accommodate a kind of a generic idea of a God as long as it, that God doesn't require anything from us. And so uh, we should maybe have the friendly idea that all roads lead to God or all religions are equally true. But she says, you know, we're also hearing the message that here's a second, second secular, secular idea that all religions are equally false. It's just a blind leap of faith, and God is pretty much anyone's guess. So that's why this is so popular, she says out there. That's why the secular messages are attractive to everybody, because we want to run our own lives. So secular messages are influential because they're speaking to what we want to hear. They're reaching itchy ears, aren't they? So I thought that was a really powerful section of the chapter. And just to give you an idea of some of the chapters that she talks about in here, it's uh, things like, what is going on right now? It says, welcome to your place in a worldview minority as a Christian. And she talks about how secularism is not neutral. Some people think, well, I'm Christian, but then I go out in society, and the society kind of says, well, you know, whatever, do what you want. But it's actually hostile to Christianity. So she talks about that. And then I read a little bit from chapter 3, covered that. She talks about how we can regain a supernatural worldview and all sorts of things like what do we do when we're confronted with doubts? And then she has a section called Faithfully Different Thinking, how to reaffirm biblical morality, for example, and really gain discernment. And then how to live differently, to have true biblical justice and to speak the truth and to even reshape our hearts to share the gospel. So I would consider this book a really good challenge to all of us as Christians who have to live in this time period. Uh, Greg Kokel, one of my favorite authors and speakers, says this book is a brilliant assessment of our current cultural moment, loaded with insight, yet perfectly practical. The book is Faithfully Different, Regaining Biblical Clarity in a Secular Culture, Natasha Crane. And again, I would highly recommend her other books that are aimed for parents, uh, keeping your kids on God's side, talking with your kids about God, and talking with your kids about Jesus. I'll probably get around to uh, referencing them in more detail because I do have them. And so take a look at her website, by the way, natashacrane.com, And she has podcasts available too. So it's natashacrane.com forward slash podcast. And she's on social media. uh, So... Please take a look. Natasha Crane, excellent person, good writer, wonderful ideas. All right, thanks. I hope to talk to you soon.